There we go. Okay. All right. <clears throat> After you. Hi, and welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers. And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Today, we're, we're going to be recording part two of our two-part podcast on some of the current beverage alcohol trends and hot topics. Uh, you may remember, loyal listeners, that we recorded our original Trends podcast, I believe it was a month or two ago. Don't worry, we didn't forget about you. We just had a couple other podcasts to uh, clear off our slate in the meantime, but now we're coming back here. And you know, even after we already recorded that entire podcast on this topic, uh, we still have a bunch more trends to talk about. That's right. So one of the big ones, which I was really mad we didn't get to last time, but- You were furious. <laughs> It's the trend of celebrity alcohol brands, you know, whether they start them or just kind of lend their, uh, lend their face or name to a product. And, and even since that last podcast, um, a bunch more have come out, you know, right. Most recently, I think we wrote about um, Mariah Carey with the black Irish, Irish cream liqueur. Finally, someone did an Irish cream liqueur. <laughs> it, it's, it's unique anyway. It's not a tequila. <laughs> um, and speaking of tequila, uh, Eva Longaria, the, the actress from, um, you know, best known from Desperate Housewives, is coming out with a tequila, uh, what's it called? Casa something? Well, you look that up. I'll mention, speaking of celebrity tequilas, uh, obviously Sammy Hagar was one of the originals to launch that. Just today, we got word that he's now launching his own RTD line. So here come the celebrity back RTDs as well. Oh my gosh, I, I can't. <laughs> I just can't. Um, all right, well, most of them, it, wine is a big category, um, but it's uh, really tequila. And I think... People do love tequila. Obviously, we, we know how, how much it's growing, but that seems to be where a lot of the celebrities are, are, um, are going. Um, you had mentioned, uh, who did you just mention? Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar, again, with the original tequila. You know, the fear with all of these celebrity-backed brands is the authenticity. You know, you mentioned the Mariah Carey, or, you know, there's a lot of concerns, I suppose, because it's not just authenticity here. This, uh, the Mariah Carey brand ran into some trouble when it turned out that somebody had already trademarked Black Irish. And, you know, I, I don't know if you saw this, but, you know, when Mariah Carey launched the brand, she did this very Mar Mariah Carey-esque photograph of her lying on the beach with her branded bottle. So the gentleman who owned the, or at least alleges to own the uh, brand name, took a photograph of himself lying on the beach with his <laughs> brand by the same name. Um, but I mean, the, the broader point here is that a lot of these tequila, excuse me, a lot of these celebrity backed brands have run into trouble. Um, you know, there's a, another good example earlier, Michael B. Jordan, wonderful actor, Michael B. Jordan, put out a rum brand called, uh, I'm going to completely uh, butcher this name, I apologize, especially because on the topic of cultural insensitivity, but a uh, Joe Vert, I'm, I'm sure I'm completely butchering that, but Michael B. Jordan was accused of cultural insensitivity with his rum brand by that name, because that is a traditional Caribbean term uh, used in Trinidad and uh, Tobago. Uh, Jordan is not Caribbean, so people accuse him of cultural appropriation. 
And uh, with the online firestorm that created, he ended up renaming the rum brand. Yeah. Um, Kendall Jenner, the, the model from Kardashian family fame, had just come out with a tequila, the 818, I think it's called. I think so. And yeah, she, she was getting a lot of uh, getting targeted for cultural approbation as well. Um, you know, which some of it may be, I don't know if it's deserved, but one thing that came to mind is a, a lot of the male celebrities starting tequila brands haven't really gone through the same thing. You know, I, it, it just, it seems a little unfair. You know, it is, it is hard not to do an eye roll when, um, you know, another celebrity tequila brand comes out, but, you know, sometimes people just go after them because they want to and, you know, um, or cause they don't like them, but I, uh, I've, I've never had it. I, I've never had a lot of these brands, interestingly. Um, I found them to be all over the map. Some of them are good. Some of them are not good. I, I'm not going to go out and say which ones I do and do not like. But I mean, some of them are just absolute terrible. Uh, the thing is, I mean, obviously all of these products are being sourced. It's not like these, <laughs> excuse me, it's not like these celebrities are buying distilleries and putting on their distiller's hat. Obviously, all of these are sourced products. And like any sourced products, you just really... You don't know what you're going to get. I'm not saying you don't know what you're going to get when you're sourcing, but you don't know as a consumer the quality of the product, where it's sourced from. You know, a, a lot of these, especially in today's day and age, where so many brands, period, are sourced, the uh, amount of good juice out there that's still left to be purchased for sourcing brands is getting smaller and smaller all the time. So I, I think that's why the quality uh, has been all over the map. Um, I'm trying to think of some that I liked. I thought, honestly, the Rocks tequila brand, I know you and I laugh because they're not always the easiest PR people to work with. Uh, <laughs> God bless them for doing their jobs uh, very adamantly. But I, I thought it was actually fine tasting stuff. And there's some other brands, some other celebrity uh, brands I thought have been fine. Uh, you know, proper, proper number 12 from Conor McGregor, which just got sold for a fortune. I mean, that, that stuff sells like gangbusters. And honestly, it tastes just fine. Um, I've never had the Rocks tequila. Um... And, and I, I, I bet that it is good, um, but you know, we're laughing about, you know, some of uh, the PR things, right? I sort of tangled with them about, um, they were mad that I had referred to him as a former wrestler. I'm like, oh, he is. <laughs> you, know, that's, you, you didn't see him come back to the, uh, the ring recently? I have no idea. I'm just saying that. I don't watch wrestling. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like I know when you're a wrestler, you're always a wrestler. They always find ways to bring people back. You know, he's he doesn't need to anymore. He's a an actor and a an entertainer and all that. I get it, but most people know him from that. You know how he got his start. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And and no. I think you know most people they're happy to trade on it when it's you know when that's all they have or when they're starting out. So that was um, one of my issues. But uh, as I said, I haven't had the product. I I bet it's. You know, I bet it is good. I bet it is quality. We talk um, about The Rock being the most likable person in Hollywood. How do we arrive here? He's so likable. For, again, for somebody, I know, again, I'm not a big wrestling fan. So anyone who's a wrestling fan, I apologize if I'm offending. Um, but, you know, for, for someone to come out of wrestling and just be so eminently likable. I, did you see that video recently where he pulled up to the celebrity uh, tour bus and waved and said hi to everyone, like right outside his house? I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that's great. Well, I think that's the thing. It has to be authentic. You know, I think he, he's seems like a real guy. He, he, he's 
seems to be very much behind this product and you know you you have to you have to be and you have to um you know be able to convey that in a real way i, I think you know that's the, the celebrities that are doing a good job with their brands um you know, I would have to say Dan Aykroyd is one. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, um, Crystal Head Vodka. He's he, again one of the original um, celebrity-backed brands. Excuse me, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, but I mean, still out there. I just read something. Uh, he made an appearance somewhere, and it's just you know behind the bar, engaging with people. Just really, really loves it. I've heard um, that as well about him, a retailer, and I'm blanking on who. You know what? It was. It was one of the Minneapolis retailers I met with when I was in town told me that he was, he came to do a signing when the product launched, when one of the new products launched at a store. And they said they, he stayed the entire time and could not have been a better guest and, you know, signed every single uh, signature that somebody asked for. So you're right. It, it really does come down to the authenticity. Yeah. I think, um, who else is doing a good job? Uh, and a lot of them also, you know, comes down to quality. Like Casamigos is a good example as well. Again, another sourced product. Obviously, you know, the guys there aren't going down to Mexico and distilling this product themselves. I don't think George Clooney has time to do that uh, in his filming schedule. Uh, but the product they they purchased was delicious, and it continues to be delicious. And you know, the 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 uh, actions, the success of that brand speaks for itself. Yeah, I was it, the the guys from Breaking Bad. Um, mm. Uh, Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul are also, I mean, they launched it, I think in 2019 and they were all over the place doing, um, you know, tastings, guest bartendings. Um, Brian Cranston was just, you know, I think in our, our city in Connecticut a couple months ago, I didn't know until after the fact, which is appalling. Oh, so we got the invite there. What were we doing? Yeah. <laughs> Um, also I almost guest bartended with them in the Delta lounge at JFK, oh, like right. pre-pandemic. It, it didn't happen due to scheduling, but, um, you know, they, they are really out there and passionate about it. And, you know, it, it definitely shows. And then Remember how disappointed more, you were when that one fell through. That oh, was my a fun one. oh my God. Oh my If I'm going to go to JFK and not fly anywhere, you know, it's, it's a good thing. <laughs> um, and then one more who's doing a good job, I think, is is the director Steven Soderbergh with his uh, Singani sixty three. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's basically had to, you know, define the category in the U.S. because I didn't know what it was. I was going to say he's become the absolute point person for that category in the U.S. You're absolutely right. He really took that on as a uh, a project, and he stuck with it. Yeah, there's well, nothing uh, easy about slinging those kind of bottles. Right. Right. I mean, he also. Put his own money into it which True. is another yeah. thing instead of collecting <laughs> money he's putting it out there and also wrangling with the ttb on the definition yep. you know because they yep. call it a brandy which is a pretty big catch-all category and it's 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 not age it's got to be made from certain grapes in bolivia so um and it's a it's a long process it's been going on so, you know, upshot here as we move on, because uh, we do we did want to talk about a couple other trends, but the upshot here is authenticity is extremely important with the celebrity brands. And I kind of feel like those that will sink and or swim will come down to the authenticity, and obviously the quality of the product as well. Uh, well, one more thing. We've, we didn't talk about Snoop, who is putting his oh. name on everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one thing, you know, with the the treasury wine estates, their 19 crimes yeah. brand, you know, they did the, the Cali red last 
last year, I think, and then the, the Cali Rose. Um, you know, when the, the people at Treasury were saying it's, it's bringing people into that brand, but yeah. I think, you know, it's also just bringing them into the wine category, you know, the, the wine in general, and certainly just red blends, and then now the rosé, which I have to say, I'm sorry, Snoop, but the, the rosé is a little sweet for me. But. You didn't like the rosé? It's a little sweet for me. I like it very dry, but... Uh, I also got sent Snoop Dogg's strawberry gin, and I have to say it was exactly what it was trying to be, which was just a light, easy-drinking strawberry gin that you can mix in cocktails. I was actually very impressed by it. Oh, cool. I've never had that. Yeah, no, Indago gin. I was impressed. And like you said, uh, you know, speaking of eminently likable, Snoop Dogg, another person whose likability uh, you know, metrics are off the charts, everybody loves Snoop Dogg. I mean, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you're right. I'm sure he's bringing a whole new crowd into not only just treasury wine estates, but wine in general. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love how Snoop Dogg can smoke weed wherever he wants. He just has carte blanche to smoke weed publicly. I, I was on a press trip in Miami once and we went to a club and he was the DJ. It was incredible. But yeah, he's just up there smoking weed and he's walking around smoking weed. Nobody stops him. It must be nice. <laughs> he's snoop <laughs> don't you try it now <laughs> I, I don't think i would get as far as he would let's put it that way oh, right, sadly, now, sadly. now where are we i know another trend <laughs> we wanted to talk about was non-alcoholic beer uh, this is something that's been building for a couple of years now but seems to have reached uh perhaps an apex or at least a whole new level in the last year uh, it seems that the non-alcoholic beer category is driven uh, by a number of things, specifically this uh, healthier lifestyle that we're seeing a lot of consumers commit to. People just working out more, counting calories, being very careful about what they put into their bodies. And, you know, during the week, you're going to want that taste of a beer at the end of a tough work day, but you may not want the calories. So they reach for a non-alcoholic beer. Uh, and part of the reason that this works now is that the flavors in the non-alcoholic beers have improved dramatically in about the last year. A number of brands, you know, old non-alcoholic beers, even as recently as two, three years ago, just kind of tasted like watery nothing. I remember on uh, tasting panels, Melissa, you and I are on with our colleague, uh, Greg Glazer. You know, we would drink a lot of the non-alcoholic beers and they'd just be uh, just very much unimpressed with their flavors. They were, they tasted nothing like the beers they were trying to emulate. They're weak, they're watery, they're just not, not good at all. And then I think in about in the last year, two years, things improved a lot. Now you have you know, uh, Sam Adams came out with a, uh, an IPA that was non-alcoholic that tasted great. Dogfish Head, uh, obviously now is uh, one same company as uh, Sam Adams, but Dogfish Head's non-alcoholic beer tasted great. There's this brewery out of Canada that I'm very impressed with. They're called Partake, and they're non-alcoholic beer, 100% non-alcoholic. And they have a whole lineup of beers, and they all taste the style. And I'm talking Amber Ale, IPAs. Darker beers, they're the whole spectrum of beers, and they all taste like what those beers should taste like, but non-alcoholic. Right, and then Stella just came out with one, uh, Stella Artois. Um, you know, I read, I saw some research the other day that said that the most significant increases in low and no alcoholic beverage consumption was with 46% uh, of U.S. millennial men aged 25 to 39 and 40% of Gen Z women in the US. I, I think the source was something called Info Tools, but it's kind of funny, you know, I think with so many of these healthier products, people are 
we're waiting for the baby boomers to stop drinking so much. <laughs> and, you know, the wine category in particular, like they're yeah. going to slow down. We got to get the younger folks in. And, you know, they're not, the, the boomers aren't slowing down. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> so it's funny that it's the younger consumer that is yes. driving that and expects the same amount of, um, of choice and quality. I mean, I remember, you know, when you, if there was someone in your group who didn't drink or wanted a non-alcoholic beer, they would say, what do, what do you have? And there might be a cloth dollar or a... Um, duels. Duels, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it was usually one or the other, or you know, you'd have one option. So that was the default. So it didn't matter. You didn't have to have a lot of yeah. choices. And uh, yeah. that's not how it is anymore. I think to go on, to piggyback on what you're saying too, I think, you know, when I, when I interviewed the uh, people behind Partake Brewing, they made a very good point, which is that it was almost kind of embarrassing to ask for a non-alcoholic option back in the day, because you're getting this dusty bottle from the back of the cooler that doesn't really taste that good. Whereas now you don't have to feel embarrassed at all, because you're right, there's going to be high quality options. There's going to be a variety of options. There's more people doing it. So you're getting better stuff and it's more socially acceptable. So I, I think a lot of it has changed, and I think you're right. I think a lot of that uh, change from the social acceptance did come from the millennials and the uh, even younger LDA drinkers. Right. I mean, it was almost like they didn't expect you to actually drink it. You know, you're just ordering <laughs> something to have That's in right. front of you with your buddies or you know your business deal, and it's like, oh, right. oh, you want to drink it? And, oh, <laughs> yeah. pour it down later. Yeah. Um. You know, it was kind of funny. I was thinking about it because it was that was the default option if you didn't drink. Um, and now, you know, or a seltzer, like seltzer with lime, please, you know, or, or sparkling water. So it's just kind of funny that now there's like tons of hard seltzer options and like a lot more non alcoholic beer. It gets very, um, you know, intertwined. It, it reminds me a lot of the mocktail movement going on right now, too. My wife, I know, I'm Melissa, I know I've told you this before, my wife is pregnant at the moment. Um, and, thank you, thank you. Uh, and we've been going out to bars and restaurants, and she's been uh, getting a lot of really good mocktails. Obviously, I always have a taste. Sometimes they can be a little too sweet. I think, you know, you don't have the alcohol to balance the sweetness, but there's been some bars that have really nailed it. These things taste great. Yeah, yeah. It's really important to have because otherwise, you know, like I was saying with non-alcoholic beer being the only option, you know, you'd get that default order, but with people that don't like the taste of beer, they'd order juice or soda or, or nothing or water. You know, it's, I think restaurants, bars really don't want people defaulting to that, that option. Yeah. And you also want to have, you know, your wife wants to have the same experience that you do. Exactly. You know, that's, that's very unfair that you get to drink cocktails and she does it. And it's not, it's not my fault. Well, I guess maybe it is my fault, but you understand what I'm saying. I understand. <laughs> uh, one other trend we wanted to touch on was the rise of CBD beverage brands. Uh, these have also taken off in the last year. Uh, and kind of like with non-alcoholic beer, part of the reason is that there has been some dramatic improvements in the quality of production, uh, namely the solule, I'm never going to pronounce this word correctly, solubility. I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it correctly. Solubility. Solubility. I'm, I'm, there's a word, there's a letter in there I'm missing somewhere. You don't have to edit any of this out. Please leave this in. Please leave in the part <laughs> you where need we to can't take French, it. I think. That's right. That's the only way to get that in there. 
Um, but the, the ability to make the CBD um, dissolve better into water and dissolve more fluidly uh, and thoroughly is the word I'm searching for, so that you're, you can get more consistency in these CBD products. That was a, a dramatic improvement that was made in about the last two years. So now that's why you see the boom in CBD beverages, because now it's easy to, or easier to get that consistency uh, in terms of the quality of the product. And, you know, and people are using these as functional beverages. That's the other big trend in CBD beverages is this push towards them being functional like a bottled water or like a Gatorade or like an energy drink. You know, people are pairing these with caffeine uh, literally in the same beverage so that you, you're both awake and focused or they're using it as a sleep aid or they're packaging it that looks like bottled water. And so after you go for a run, you hydrate with some water and get a little CBD in there too to get relaxed, relax your mind as you, uh, you know, replenish your muscles. You know, it's, I don't know where it's going on premise though. Um, and I've been wrong about a lot of this before, but um, you know, it's just, you think about the functionality, people will have a Red Bull or a Red Bull cocktail, you know, when they go out, but I, it's, it's not like you would really order a Gatorade when you go out <laughs> or I think something to make you sleep, even though, you know, hard alcohol can have that effect as well, but it seems kind of counterproductive for the on-premise experience. In a uh, lot what, what about CBD cocktails? Cause I have seen a little bit of those. Yeah. I, I think um, we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. You know, again, I just don't know because the thing is it's, you're mixing it with alcohol, presumably, or if you're not, maybe you, if it's just CBD in the cocktail. Could be a mocktail. Yeah, but then maybe you'd have a beer afterwards or something. I think the whole mixing, you know, the different kind of substances is, um, is a concern on premise because especially with the CBD and cannabis and things like that, you can't really tell when someone's had too much or if they're mixing it, um, you know, maybe it mutes the effects of the alcohol. So. Well, I don't know. It's not like you could have too much CBD. Like I'm, I'm picturing someone who's had too much CBD, perhaps obtaining like Nirvana in their headspace. I don't know what an, well, I don't know what a uh, overdose of CBD would be like. Um, are you sure? No. <laughs> obviously think... not. Obviously not psychotropic CBD. You're not going to get high off of CBD. Yeah, yeah, you might just fall asleep or something. You know, I guess it's just if you then mix it, if you get so relaxed and mix it or have something else, or you've had a, a few other drinks, say, oh, let me end with the CBD cocktail, you know, how how those mix with your body, if you do that. Because I don't even think consumers know. That's that's the thing about edibles. And and sometimes yes. they, don't, they don't kick in right away. You yes. know, you feel a drink pretty soon. So you don't think anything's happening and maybe you... Um... And then we, we all know that poor soul, our friend, who, who has this experience where they took the edible. You know, it takes 45 minutes to kick in. They, you know, they get restless after 15 minutes and then consume some more cannabis. And the next thing you know, they're over the moon. Yeah. The friend. <laughs> friend, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We've all got that friend. I think if you we're don't talking have the friend, you are you're, the friend. You're my friend, Melissa. Let's put it that way. <laughs> all right. Well, this, this is kind of going off the rails. <laughs> and I, you know, I will say, obviously, this podcast is not about cannabis trends, but that is, it, it speaks to one of the bigger problems in cannabis in general, as we're looking to perhaps cannabis beverages, is that this industry is evolving so quickly that we still haven't really ironed out all of the public safety 
elements of it. You know, we still don't know what a cannabis DUI looks like. We still don't know exactly how to keep cannabis out of the hands of children. And like Melissa was saying, we still don't know how to educate consumers correctly on the proper serving sizes of cannabis. You can, consumers have no idea, especially here on the East Coast. I know the West Coast is a million years ahead of us in cannabis. But here on the East Coast, I feel like consumers have no idea what the percentage of THC means in a product. You know, 20% THC, what does that mean? Is that a lot? Is that a little? They know what a 110 proof whiskey means. They know that's a lot, but they don't know what a 25% THC means, you know. So I, I think there's, again, still a lot to iron out in this category, even as it pertains to uh, CBD beverages, still a lot to iron out there as well. Uh, one other thing holding back CBD beverage, uh, uh, the category right now that's holding back anything canned is, of course, the uh, giant shortages we're seeing in all things alcohol product packaging. There's a shortage in glass. There's a shortage in aluminum. There's a shortage in bottle caps. There's a shortage in corks. There's a giant shortage in uh, paper products. So a lot of brands can't even get the labels they want right now. Um, I'm actually writing an article about this right now. It should come out in the next week. Keep an eye on Beverage Dynamics uh, for the article uh, in which I asked packaging professionals and uh, distributors about all of this and when they think that this shortage is actually going to end. Obviously, the shortage is causing a giant headache for brands and retailers alike, because we're seeing out of stocks all over the place. When is this going to end? You know, it sounds like the hopeful answer is Q2 of next year. I hear that a lot. And then when people tell me what they really think, uh, they say uh, 2023. They say around Q1 of 2023. So I think we're going to see another year of the shortages, unfortunately. So if Kaya's going to plug an article, then I am too. Um, <laughs> we have a, a supplement on women in beverages that women in beverage that's um, going in all the beverage magazines, you know, Cheers, Beverage Dynamics, Stateways, I think Beverage Wholesaler. I think so. But, um, yeah. Uh, so look for it with the fall issues. You know, we interview, um, I don't know, like maybe 15 women from all across the industry just to get a sense of their backgrounds and where they're, uh, you know, their inspirations and things like that. So it, it, it's a really important topic right now, you know, not Absolutely. just in the beverage industry, but, uh, but, but certainly, you know, one that one to talk about. Definitely check that out. Um, that, that's uh, coming together very well. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I think we've gone over a little bit because we got a little excited about <laughs> <laughs> celebrity cbd and, right. and all these sexy topics but that's uh, right people wait the full 45 minutes before you consume any more thc <laughs> please please do not do that to yourself good lord and join us next time when we'll be talking about yet another fascinating topic that spans the retail and restaurant worlds and until then cheers cheers everybody